Hi, and welcome to the West Visalia Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Got a lot going on in the next few weeks here at the West Missouri Church of Christ. Of course, tonight we do have two of our small groups meeting, one at the Pittman House at 6 p.m. and one at the Weatherford Home at 6 p.m. Through um, this month, we're not going to have an uh, evening group here at the building. Also, remind everybody about the donations we're taking for the Manuelito Navajo Children's Home. Um, they reach out and deal with um, kids. A lot of them have been abandoned or, or in need of a safe place to stay. Um, they're on the Navajo Reservation. We've been supporting that work for a long time. Uh, they do an amazing work. They've come and met here with us several times and given reports. What we're trying to do is gather funds to give uh, Walmart gift cards to all the kids that are residents there at the moment for Christmas. A ton of funds have already come in from all of you. That's awesome. Um, we're going to collect through probably like Wednesday. Um, I was told my idea of FedExing everything overnight probably wasn't the wisest. So um, do you have till Wednesday to make your donations for that? And then we're going to purchase the cards and send them there to Gallup, New Mexico for them. The receipts for them and stuff like that are on the tree in the foyer. If you want more information, see me. We also got some pictures of some of the kids out there on the welcome desk that are staying there. If you want to take a look and pray for some of the kids that you're going to be helped. Uh, you know, supporting it and making a, a pleasant Christmas for. Um, also, remember, winter camp is coming up December 27th through the 30th. We are completely full. Shut down registration. The last person registered last night at like, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night, I saw the notification. So that is full. So now we're just getting everything round up for that and, and gathered. You can pray for it. If you do want to donate toward that, you can. We did give out a few scholarships um, this year to those that couldn't afford to go, but um, pray for that work. It is an uplifting work, and it's sometimes kind of hectic going right after Christmas to go on up there, but I think it's definitely needed. All right, on Sunday mornings, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is Jesus's um, longest recorded sermon that we have by him, and it is a magnificent sermon given by Jesus himself, and as we pour through it, it is just amazing to see how he formulated his different thoughts and the points that he's making and the lessons for all of us. And we're titling this series Kingdom Living because Jesus is talking about in this sermon what it's like to live in the kingdom. And I'd like to describe the kingdom as the rule and reign of King Jesus, but one of my friends last week told me, he said, you know, you probably need to make that plain or people don't know what you mean. So it's where Jesus' will is being done. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom we're a part of is the place where, the, where Jesus' will is being done. That is his kingdom. Okay? So if we're doing God's will, if we're doing Christ's will, we are part of his kingdom, his rule, his reign. Well, in this sermon, Jesus takes your idea of living, your idea of righteousness, your idea of holiness, your idea of kingdom, and he turns all of that upside down in the sermon. It says, you thought it was supposed to be one way, but I'm going to show you the way that it's actually supposed to be. Particularly, what we've been looking at the last two weeks now, is Jesus is going to take the Jewish people's view at that time of the Old Testament and turn it upside down. Because let's admit it, even as Christians today, we struggle a lot with trying to make sense of, okay, Old Testament to New Testament. Those are legit struggles and conversations that happen. A lot of times, some confusion 
that people have when they're trying to come to a knowledge of God in the Bible has to do a lot with Old Testament to New Testament. And sometimes maybe we oversimplify it a little bit. We go, well, we follow the New Testament, not the Old Testament. Well, that's kind of a misrepresentation of the truth on that. And Jesus is actually going to show how we are supposed to view the Old Testament scriptures here in this sermon. Now, that's a big deal, especially in this sermon. Because who's gathering around him now? Yes, you have his disciples. Yes, you have early followers. But you also have Pharisees. You also have some Jewish religious leaders. People that are already getting this inkling that Jesus is trying to do away with the old law. Or he's trying to shut down their system. Or he's trying to usurp their authority. And they're listening intently too to what Jesus is going to say. Is he going to throw out the law of Moses? If he does, we can get him. We can get him if he throws out the law of Moses. Or if he bashes it in some way, oh, we're going to get him then. But he doesn't do that. What Jesus does is he presents to the audience this idea that the true purpose of the old law, the Old Testament, is found in the kingdom. In fact, he's going to show that when you are following him, you are actually fulfilling the intent of the law. Because what did Jesus say last week as we looked at it? Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Do not assume. Don't think that I came to destroy, to get rid of, to just kick out the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill. And what Jesus is going to do in this next section of the Sermon on the Mount is masterfully he's going to take sections from the Old Testament and he's going to fulfill them. He's not canceling them. He's not even necessarily building upon them. He's fulfilling them. Because over and over again, he's going to do this. He's going to say, you have heard it said, talking about the old law, but I say to you. And what he's going to show us in this section, this is actually going to be, we're going to look at this section for two um, straight weeks now. Um, He's going to show that true followers of Jesus don't just obey commands. True followers of Jesus live righteous lives. But righteous lives, righteousness is not seen in just what you do, but it's who you are from the inside out. Like he told the Pharisees, you know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, or he told the followers there, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's going to show what true righteousness is all about and really what the true purpose of the law was. It wasn't that the law allowed for all these sins as long as you were keeping these commands. The law, there was an intent behind it that people misunderstood. And Jesus is going to fulfill. And this morning we're going to look at three examples that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 5. He's going to talk about anger. He's going to talk about lust. And he's going to talk about divorce. All three hot button issues back then, all three hot button issues now. So let's dig right into Jesus' sermon and see what he says here after he just said we have to do better than the scribes and the Pharisees. So let's talk about it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He says, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. Okay, we agree with you, Jesus. I mean, that's a pretty universal command, right? You have heard it said you shall not commit murder. One of the Ten Commandments, right? Worded in our King James English, thou shalt not kill. We got that. We understand that. Jesus is not stepping on any toes right now when he says that. Everybody in the audience is going, I don't do that. 
maybe this guy over here does, but I don't, right? I mean, so he says, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. So you're going to get arrested, you're going to be in trouble if you do that. He says, but I say to you, what is Jesus doing? He's about to fulfill what that command was actually all about. He's going to show that the command of not murdering was not just about murder. See, the Ten Commandments isn't just, oh, we got these Ten Commandments, and if we, as long as we do those ten things, we're good. It's No, those Ten Commandments even are an expression of greater laws and ideas and principles. Jesus is going to fulfill it and show us how. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, verse 22, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoa, whoa, Jesus. I'm not a murderer. Yeah, but are you angry? If you're angry with your brother, you're going to be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now, we might be losing something here in translation a little bit, but there seems to be kind of a progression of insults here, okay? You have, first off, you're kind of angry. Then second, you say, yeah, you, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. And then over here, this final one, you fool, is like, you're a moral reprobate. I mean, it's kind of like you take this progression of insults here is what he's doing. He says, you shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So from the command of don't murder, Jesus transitions to, if you say something hateful to your brother, you're going to hell. Whoa. Is that what the original intent of thou shalt not murder is all about? It seems to be. That's what this law being fulfilled is all about. This is what true righteousness is. It's not just, well, I don't kill anybody. Well, maybe you just haven't had the chance, okay? But what does your heart say about you? He says, it's not about whether or not you murder, but it's about, are you angry? Are you hateful? Are you mean? Verse 23, he gets it even deeper. Look what he says. Therefore, so this is Jesus talking. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go, and first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. So he says, you're going to temple to offer your sacrifice, and you know that every, this guy over here has something against you, and that you guys are at odds with one another, and that you're fighting? Stop offering the sacrifice, and go make friends with your enemy over here. Fix the problem. Modern day example. Well, I don't kill anybody, and I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, but everybody hates you, so fix it, right? That's kind of the example here. We cannot be people that have this animosity toward one another and act like everything's okay and go, well, I'm not a murderer. Jesus is fulfilling the intent of the law. The intent of the old law, even in the command, thou shalt not murder, was love your neighbor. The intent of the command, not, thou shalt not kill, was be kind and loving and reconcile with people. You see how Jesus fulfills the law? And in fact, that word fulfill kind of carries with it the idea of bringing to its logical conclusion. Isn't Jesus doing that here? The logical conclusion that God wanted us to get was, of thou shalt not murder was, be nice to people. But somewhere along the way, we lost that and said, well, I don't murder. So Jesus gives another way of kind of illustrating it. The next verse, verse 25. Make friends quickly with your opponent 
at law, so that while you're with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and that you'll be thrown in the prison. Truly I say to you, you'll have not come out of there until you have paid the last cent. You might go, what are you talking about, Jesus? He goes, look, just work on being friendly. If you're about to go to court because maybe someone's suing you, on the way to the courthouse, try to reconcile. Try to love each other. Try to get along. Because you know what? If you end up getting to the courthouse and the judge is going to deal with it, the officer, you might get arrested, you know, all of that. Just make friends. Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament command of thou shalt not murder and turns it into love each other, make friends with your neighbor, be kind, be just, be fair. And if you're friendly, it makes things better. Now, I heard a, another friend of mine on Sunday say, well, what Jesus does here is he takes the law and he puts it on steroids. I, I can kind of see that illustration here a little bit. Okay, the law was, was don't commit murder, but Jesus goes, no, uh, no, I'm going to make it a whole lot bigger. But I don't think he's necessarily making it bigger. He's showing you what, how big it actually was. The command is this big. It's about being friends with one another. So example number one of Jesus fulfilling the old law is murder versus anger. What are we? Well, if we're angry with people, we're the same as a murderer. We are a law breaker in all of this, too. He's showing how unrighteous we sometimes are. All right, next example. Let's go on. Verse 27. Now he goes into um, the example of adultery and lust. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, another command. We got that. No one in the audience is going to disagree with that idea. Yep. We got you, Jesus. Amen. Don't commit adultery. But then look what Jesus does. He fulfills it. He takes it to that actual logical conclusion of the law. The logical conclusion of the law was don't just not commit adultery. There's a lot of people out there that have never committed adultery because no one wants to commit adultery with them. Okay? But it doesn't mean that they're not adulterers. Look what Jesus says. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is taking the logical conclusion of the command here. The command is, well, don't cheat on your wife. The command is, don't even think those kinds of thoughts. Don't even fantasize about what it would be like to be with another person. Don't even, you know, look at pornography or all that kind of stuff, right? He says... You've heard it said not commit adultery, but I say, if you're having lustful thoughts, you've already committed adultery in your heart. What does Jesus want here? He wants our hearts. True righteousness begins on the inside out. Sometimes there's a lot of people out there that haven't, quote, unquote, committed adultery, but they're doing it all day long in front of their computer screen. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's not just about, well, I don't commit murder, Jesus. I don't commit adultery. That's the easy part. But fixing your heart is where true righteousness is. And fixing your heart is the true intent of the law that is fulfilled in the kingdom of Jesus. He goes on, he tells you how important this is, verse 29. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. And for it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your whole body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be sent to hell. That's how serious this is. He goes, you need to cut out the temptation from your life. That's how big this problem is. 
But notice the seriousness of it and how we need to try to remedy it. It's not, well, I'm a good husband because I don't commit adultery. You're not a good husband if you're doing it in your heart. That's the idea here. Jesus takes this law and fulfills it. It's more than just don't commit adultery. It's love and be committed to your spouse. It's don't view other people as objects. It's fix your heart because that's true righteousness that Jesus came to fulfill. That's example number two. What's the next one? Verse, um, example number three, verse 31. He says, it was said, so he gives another one. Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. And yes, there was legal things even in the law of Moses to, you know, make sure, that, okay, if the divorce is happening here, make sure you have a certificate and do it legally. Don't just run off with somebody else or things like that, you know, make it legit. But here's what he says. You've heard it said, if you're going to get divorced, give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity or unfaithfulness, fornication, depending on your translation, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman here commits adultery. Now, I know, and here's what we do with this, too. We, we take Jesus' fulfillment of this um, idea of divorce and what God actually meant there, and we turn it into a bunch of checklist commands, too. But what's his intent here? What's he actually fulfilling? He's saying don't. Really. If people are saying, well, look, Jesus, I know uh, divorce isn't that good a thing, but I'm giving a certificate of divorce. Jesus goes, I tell you this. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about divorce unless there's some unfaithfulness things happening here because you're not viewing the command the way that it was meant to be. The command for the certificate of divorce was designed to maybe protect the woman so she's not abandoned, so she can go marry another and all of that. But a lot of these guys viewed it as an excuse. Well, as long as I give a certificate of divorce, I'm going to go marry someone else. Jesus goes, nah, -uh. you're missing the point. It's not about just being someone who divorces legally. It's about being someone who's committed to their wife. What is he saying in all of this? In all of these examples, Jesus is showing that true righteousness is not just about these things that you do, but it's about who you are. You're, you're, you're not a murderer because you're not a person who would ever even think about being angry and be hateful towards someone else. You're not an adulterer because you're a person who doesn't even want to lust because you know the problems with that. You're not a person who divorces and all that and says, well, as long as I have a certificate, I'm okay. No, you're a person who would never even think of not being committed to their wife. That's the kind of people we're supposed to be. Because just because you don't murder, just because you don't commit adultery, and just because you follow the legal guidelines for divorce does not mean you're righteous. And that's what he's trying to get the Pharisees here to see. He's trying to get them to see that true righteousness begins in the heart. So the issue is not murder. The issue is not adultery. The issue is not divorce, but it's the seeds of these sins. The seeds of these sins that begin in our hearts can't be found there because we're supposed to be righteous. So adultery begins with that fantasy that's in your heart when you saw somebody of the opposite sex. Divorce begins with when you're not committed to your spouse. And, you know, murder begins with you're angry with someone else. Jesus says, no, the seeds of those giant sins that none of us would ever say we're committing begin inside of the hearts of people that are living unrighteous lives. The purpose of those commands was not to be a checklist to say, oh, as long as I don't commit murder. The purpose of those commands were to get us to treat people better. That's what Jesus meant. When he said, do not think 
that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus shows us the logical conclusion of God's law. He shows us the intent of those commands. And so often, we miss the point. We miss the point even with commands we see in the New Testament. We do the same thing that some of the Pharisees and the people did back then. But what we're supposed to see is that in the kingdom, that's us, people that are trying to follow the will of God. In the kingdom, we're held to a higher standard of righteousness. Let's put it maybe a little bit more practically. There's a slogan or a phrase or something you've probably heard before. It's been probably uttered for as long as mankind has been around. But it's this one. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, I can do what I want. That's not a righteous attitude. Because notice what he says here. Murder is hurting someone else. Obviously, adultery is hurting someone else. Even the divorcing is hurting someone else. But a lot of times people would say, well, as long as I don't do those things, I'm not hurting anyone but myself. That's not a righteous attitude. The righteous attitude begins in the heart. The righteous attitude says, what's the intent behind these commands? We don't look for loopholes to try to get around doing this. We try to look for ways to better fulfill that command. So when we see a command like, um, love your neighbor, okay, that's a pretty broad command. We don't look for the, the bare minimum way to show love toward our neighbor. We try to figure out the best, most possible way that we could do that. Let's look at an Old Testament command. We see a command like, don't commit adultery. We go, okay, I'm not going to cheat. No, no, no. Let's, let's see how far we can take that. Let's see how committed we could be. Let's see how far away from lust and temptation that we can take ourselves. Even so far that we're willing to pluck out our own eye, he says right there. That's the attitude, the true attitude of righteousness. That's the attitude of someone whose righteousness, chapter 5, verse 20, exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes and the Pharisees are always looking for a way out. We're looking for a way in to double down and go, hey, let's follow Jesus even more. In the kingdom of Christ, we can and we must do better. We must exceed the righteousness of the world. We must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. We must have a righteousness that begins in our hearts. We've seen that today with the command of not being angry or with the, the discussion of lust or even in divorce. Next week, we're going to look at some more about vows and about vengeance and, and about you know, how you view other people. But this whole idea is Jesus didn't cancel out the old law. He fulfilled it. And it's fulfilled in all of us when we live as citizens of Christ's kingdom. The lesson is yours this morning. There's been an invitation song selected. Um, we're going to stand together right now, and let's sing. Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week for more on-the-go content or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating and God bless.